Blog Talk Radio.
skies broadcasting lies to billions of people. Cameras on the streets tracking who we meet and call this liberty. guest, Sparks31, who will be talking about the, the ways to go about uh, operating your communications gear and communication systems during a uh, grid-down situation. Now, that's not all we're going to be talking about, because uh, in my discussions with, uh, with Sparks earlier, I feel that we'll have a, a wide-ranging show tonight, which is fine, and... Uh, and hopefully you guys will uh, will be able to benefit from this. There's a, there are several things that we'll, we'll be discussing tonight, but uh, but our main emphasis will be on the uh, the ability to continue to communicate during a grid down situation, such as a natural man-made disaster, or some type of cessation of services event, anything like that. I'd like to thank uh, Paul Potique and Poker Face for the intro music. And they've loaned us that, uh, the song Control, and uh, we use that as our intro music. And I don't, I don't play it just as a bump in. I play the whole thing because I think it's a great song. I think they're a great band doing a great job. They just finished up with their uh, Freedom Palooza up in Pennsylvania. Maybe they'll come on the show and talk about that. Uh, I know that they've been... Uh, They've been kind of in a little bit of a storm lately, people yelling at them because uh, of a lot of different things. But I can tell you that uh, the Paulin guys are they're great guys, and they're interested in ensuring that our nation remains a nation of individuals free and protected by the Constitution of the United States. <clears throat> That's uh, foremost in their mind. Everybody has a different vision of uh, liberty, but it all starts with us all being free men under the, under the concert. So my thanks to Paul and the band for uh, for loaning us the music. I hope they had a great uh, uh, event on their July 4th uh, Freedom Palooza. 
I'll let folks know here in the Central Texas area, uh, really anywhere if you want to come in, we've had folks uh, fly in all the way from California to some of our events. Uh, we've got the uh, several upcoming classes. Uh, the August 2nd, we have the one-day uh, pistol craft course, which is which is a course that everybody needs, no matter how many, no matter how good you are with your handgun, how good you think you are. Pistol craft is going to cover the fundamentals. Uh, and we're going to do it the way we do all of our uh, handgun courses. That means that uh, every evolution is going to start from concealed, because here in Texas, that's how we are uh, required to carry our firearms, our handguns, is concealed. So we don't start off with it in our hand anywhere, because that's not how it's going to happen. So all of our evolutions start from concealed, but approximately 200 uh, draws during the day from concealed to engage your targets. You'll be learning to... Uh, very quickly, make a smooth, clean draw. As you're bringing your uh, uh, handgun up onto the target, you'll be stepping offline. And then you'll be putting three to four rounds per second into your target, making sure that your area is clear, making a safe uh, weapon, and repeating. That's August 2nd. Uh, it's a uh, full-day course. Take about 500 rounds. Then uh, August 9th through the 13th, we have the five-day Precision Rifle course. That's with uh, Staff Sergeant John Hawes. And listen, this is the last time we're going to be able to have this course for about the next year because Mr. Hawes is going to be going on vacation and we'll have to wait for him to ro back, rotate back to the States after he gets off vacation to get another class. That's going to be about a year. So if you'd like to take this course, then uh, you need to get in touch with me uh, really pretty quick because the course is coming up on the 9th, August 9th to the 13th, five-day course. We'll take about 500 rounds of, uh, of quality ammunition, good, uh, I would suggest a good uh, bolt gun with quality optics, bipod. Uh, and immediately after that, we'll have a two-day stalking and camouflage class. Now, this goes, you know, hand in glove with the uh, precision rifle course that was just taught. This will be two days on teaching you how to move uh, across and through terrain and to get into your shooting position and remain undetected in order for you to be able to make the shot, right? That's the, uh, the whole point in this. That's a two-day class, and uh, that is the 17th, 16th and 17th, I believe. It's the Saturday following the, uh, the five-day precision rifle course. So... And that also, that class is starting to fill up too, so make sure that you get in contact with me uh, in order to get a slot for that class. And then we have the uh, September Ghost of Goliad class. That's the two-day rifle marksmanship weekend in Texas history. That's at the end of September. And then October 11th is the end of the world as we know it. Zombie Destruction Biathlon. It's the four-and-a-half-mile looping course, eight shooting stations for rifle and pistol, and obstacles between the stations. Now, listen, this is a, this is a fantastic. Your shooting skills, your stamina, and your gear, they all have to work together in order for you to be successful. Uh, there's not very many other places you're ever going to get to test yourself in this fashion because... Normally the rangers don't want you moving around. They don't want you wearing gear. They don't want you firing more than one round every five or ten seconds. Uh, 
and we're just the opposite. We want you to put on all your gear. We want you to uh, to move quickly uh, to between the stations along the course. We want you to move quickly between firing points on the stations, and we want you to shoot as fastly, as fast and as accurately as possible. This is the only place you're going to be able to do this. This is the only event like this in the United States at this time. There's other uh, running guns, but we're the only event that runs like we do. And because of the nature of the event, it's a long course, and we have to start runners off on like five-minute intervals, we have to cap it at about 100 runners. And uh, if you want to get yourself a slot, I suggest going and getting your tickets uh, as soon as possible because uh, once it once we hit the cutoff mark, there's nothing we can do about it because uh, because of daylight and safety. We can't. We've got to make sure that everybody's finished the course and back uh, before it gets dusk. Uh, so if you want to make the event, be sure and uh, get signed up as soon as possible. And then in December, I'm gonna I'm, I'll skip to the, a lot of the other courses right now. In December, we've got. Uh, our guest tonight, who is uh, Sparks 31, we got a class that he will be teaching at our range here in Central Texas on grid data communications. Now, this is I'm really looking forward to this class, and I know that everybody who's already signed up for the class with me, and that's about a dozen of us, and we're going to have to cap the class off, class off at about 20 folks. I talked to Sparks, and he said 20 is about, uh, about the top in the working number. So if you want to uh, get yourself a slot, then go to the website, uh, www.battleroadusa.com, and uh, under training, we'll have that course listed there. And then uh, once you click on that course, you'll get there will be a sign-up page for the Eventbrite sign-up. Go there and get yourself signed up. Get your slot uh, set for that because, once again, <clears throat> it's not unlimited. We've got we've to keep the course fairly small in order to make sure that everybody gets what they came for, the training they came for. So those are the events coming up. Uh, I missed the other one in August. August 27th, I believe, is the Fighting Shotgun Course. That's a one-day course uh, to teach you how to use your shotgun uh, safely and efficiently. You know, everybody here in Texas that I know, and I, and I, I see people all across the United States, everybody's got a shotgun. And everybody says, this shotgun is for me to defend my home and my family, and that's great. That's what you should be doing. But not everybody knows uh, all of the things they need to know about their shotgun, its use, how to use it uh, in order to get the most out of it. Uh, shotguns aren't uh, end-all, be-all, fix-alls, and they have their limitations. They're good for a lot of things, and some things they're not good for. Uh, and we would like for you to attend the course so that we can show you what we think is your best uh, options for using a shotgun to defend yourself and your loved ones uh, in the event that you should have to, all right? So you can go to the uh, BattleRoadUSA.com website and get signed up on the website there for the course. And one one last thing I'm going to say about this before I get on to our guest is that uh, all of our – two things, really. One, we're a fairly new company. And because of that, uh, we have to we have to do some things to get people to – us rather than go to other places. And some of the things that we've done is, one, uh, our range is not like uh, very many other ranges that you'll find in the United States. We're, you're not going to be in a box. You're going to be moving throughout the day at, all, at any of the courses. You'll be moving throughout the day along the range. You won't be, uh, you won't be stuck in a box 
uh, slowly shooting. You'll be moving throughout the day with your uh, firearms and shooting uh, on a 360-degree range. And our courses are tailored to fit you as the individual. Our philosophy is that uh, that when something happens to you, it's going to happen to you, and you're going to be alone. You're not going to be able to depend on anybody else. There's not going to be a team stacked up behind you in body armor. It's going to be just you. And that's where our instruction is based out of, is you, on your lonesome, defending yourself with uh, whatever uh, firearm that we're discussing during the course. And that's how we've tailored our instruction. It's, uh, it's not you as part of a team. It's you by your lonesome. We'll be teaching you how to uh, change loads in your semi-auto or pump gun, teaching you uh, uh, how to fire uh, the same as with your pistol. We want you to be able to fire uh, three to five rounds uh, out of your shotgun in one to two seconds. We're going to be teaching you uh, to the limitations of your shotgun. We're getting you to uh, uh, pattern your buckshot loads and sight in your slug uh, rounds. So, and including that, we'll also be doing weapon retention because, you know, the shotgun's kind of long. You've got to move through your house, going around corners. You go around a corner, somebody's standing there, they grab the shotgun. Uh, and what are you going to do next? Because that is part of being in a gunfight, right? And, uh, and only half of that is gun. The other part is fight. Uh, it's not over until somebody is clearly the winner. We want you to be the clear and undisputed winner in these situations. All right, so we're going to teach you how to retain your shotgun in the event that you uh, become involved in a physical uh, struggle over it and, uh, and end up as the winner. All right. Uh, like I said, we're... We are uh, – something is going to happen to you in your lifetime. Something is going to happen, whether it is a uh, snowstorm or a, uh, uh, or a tornado or a hurricane or you uh, – something is going to happen that is going to put a dent in your – your regular day-to-day lives, and it could be just a one-day thing, or uh, it could be something that lasts longer. And in order for you to be able to, to, to stay in touch, those around you, and to try and get an idea of what's going on in your community, in your, uh, in your state, in your nation, you're going to have to be able to get that information from somewhere else besides somebody yelling down the block, right? That means that you're going to have to be involved in some form or fashion with communications. Now, if things got bad enough, and we've seen this happen already several times in several instances, that the conventional methods, landlines can go out along with the power, with the storms, uh, the cellular providers, uh, something may happen to them. They may uh, institute a cessation of services event. Uh, any number of things could happen. And in order for you to, in order for you to continue communicating, which is the third leg of the stool, right? 
shoot, move, communicate. In order for you to continue, you're going to need to be able to communicate. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, Sparks, welcome to the show tonight. Ah, thank you. It's good to be back. Listen, thank, thanks for coming on again. I, I know that you. Oh, you're welcome. I know that uh, you are constantly in movement, and uh, I appreciate you. I'm, I'm sure you're not going to stop moving right now, but I appreciate you at least picking up the phone and talking to us while you're uh, while you're moving. Uh, last uh, time you were on, we talked uh, pretty much about. Uh, if we had an outline, we would have kind of touched on some of the uh, subjects of the outline. And uh, tonight I'd like to go a little bit deeper into to some of these subjects. Uh, but you and I were talking a little bit earlier on the phone, and uh, you said you had some things that uh, that you wanted to talk about. So let's, let's start off with that. All right. Well... Over the past couple of days, I have been reading the blog sphere, like I often do, and uh, one blog I do happen to frequent is uh, Pete over at Western Rifle Shooters, and he comes up with original material. He also acts as an aggregator and reposts material uh, from other blogs. He had a couple of very, very interesting posts, um, particularly involving some of the stuff that's going on uh, down on our southern border, such as the basically from all appearances reading the blogs and from other intelligence sources in unchecked stream of individuals crossing the, the southern border, some of whom are technically legal minors. And from reading the open source news reports, it seems that a lot of them, uh, after they are uh, detained for a brief period of time, are getting shipped out to various foster care facilities across the United States. Let's just assume for the moment that that's true. And let's also assume for the moment that a lot of the undocumented individuals who are coming across the border are vectors of some sort of pathogen. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, Pete was talking about over on Western Rifle Shooters um, involves scabies, which of all the things uh, that are out there, scabies is probably the least annoying. There, there are a few things that start approaching that fatal category uh, stuff we haven't seen in this country, you know, in a good hundred years. Right. Listen, we did a we did a show last week about this, about mm-hmm. the immigration problems and things that the, that they are finding. And one of the main things, like you said, there's a, there are tons of folks, and now they are disputing this at every level. But uh, they the main things, of course, like you said, are the uh, lice and scabies, and those things can all be treated. However. There's a lot of other stuff that, uh, like you said, has not been seen, uh, at least not in uh, the proportions that we're, that, that we're getting ready to get now, like TB, uh, 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 polio, uh, you, you name it, tons of diseases that are coming through, coming across exactly. the border that, uh, 
that we just we, we didn't have before. Several border of the uh, border guards there have already contracted uh, TBs, KBs, uh, you name it, and they're getting a little bit uh, hacked about that too. Yeah, the thing is that we have a situation going on down in a certain part of the country, and people, you know, kind of ask and they kind of have in the back of their minds, what is the communications for? Well, here's a prime example of why free for and the three percent movement uh as a group uh collectively speaking need to have their communication stuff taken care of and and squared away as we know we have vectors disease vectors we're going to just call them vectors for the sake of this discussion these vectors need to be transported by some means once they cross the border well vehicle and rail transport assets whether they're going by car or by train. And it seems that that's what they're using, although even aircraft have unique identification numbers, flights and all that. However, for the most part, for the people we have down on the ground right now, um, 90% of the, the transportation of these vectors is going to be done by either vehicle or rail. Well, at this point, our assets meaning free for assets on the ground at entry and embarkation points, they can identify those transportation assets by their unique identification numbers, at which point if we happen to have a, and you're going to love this term, free for fusion center, if we had a free for fusion center, all this information could be passed up to this fusion center, and then uh, what's known as a BOLO, be on the lookout for, can be generated, which can then be back-channeled down to various free-for assets across the country. At that point, let's say that some vectors come in at Brownsville, Texas, all right, and somehow they manage to uh, wind up at a temporary holding facility uh, somewhere in Austin, where they then go from Austin to God only knows where. Well, at that point, these vectors can be tracked. And if all of a sudden a vehicle bearing license plate number or a rail car, you know, train number, whatever, um, containing a load of these vectors leaves Austin and finds itself in, I don't know, Chicago, for example. I think there's a rail line that goes from Austin to Chicago. Yeah, Um, absolutely. So at that point... If these vectors leave Austin and they're ID'd uniquely by the identification numbers on their vehicle or rail transport, then if that rail, if that transport asset shows up in Chicago all of a sudden, then at the very least, any free for that's in Chicago why there would be any free for in Chicago is completely and totally beyond me, but we're just completely talking, you know, theoretical here. Um, this is a complete total fiction, of course, because as you know, everything in this country is going just perfect, and we're just a bunch of nasty old curmudgeons that don't have anything better to do and all that. But well, that's right. The point, we heard Senator um, Reid and uh, some of the other senators announced yesterday they gave us complete and utter uh, 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 final word that our borders are completely secure. 
They informed us that yesterday, so we don't have to worry about this. Exactly, but we're just we're just a bunch of fiction writers here, and this is for you know, for for our, for our own little our, our own little version of unintended consequences. Um, the uh, just remember, I have dibs on the title Fifty Shades of Mosby. Um, okay. So basically, though, speaking totally theoretically, assuming there were free four assets in, in Chicago, so we know it's now total fiction because uh, there, there are no freedom-loving people in Chicago, uh, and if there are, they need to move. They can notice that these vectors have arrived in Chicago, and at that point, free four assets can be aware of the fact that, hey, a potential disease vector uh, has arrived in this location, and then they can take the appropriate measures to protect themselves. Uh, for against a potential outbreak of whatever pathogen uh, that vector happens to be carrying. And that is the perfect example of uh, one perfect example of how communications and how a unified communications plan can be used with trained individuals to help us out, to help our side out. And like I said, well, what I'm talking about is completely, totally fictional here, but regardless, it would be completely and you know, perfectly legal. Um, heck, the CDC does it all the time, uh, and they work for us. That's an example of, of communications, of how communications could help out. Another thing that, that Pete was mentioning on Western rifle shooters was that at this time of year, there seem to be a lot of military vehicles on the roads. Now, for the most part, it's been determined that a lot of this is just are just National Guardsmen and reservists going to their uh, annual two-week, you know, annual training summer camp. However, assuming it wasn't, that type of activity is going to generate a certain amount radio traffic and again by monitoring that radio traffic or lack thereof you can make a determination locally and then the locals if if we actually had a free for fusion center um, those locals could up channel to a regional or national and get a big picture and we could come to the conclusion as to whether or not it's just a bunch of National Guardsmen having their uh, two-week summer camp, or whether it's something, you know, particularly more sinister. Um, National Guardsmen, of course, you know, once a year, we all know, they go away for their summer camp and, you know, do their annual training. And right, they're pretty right. mundane and harmless. But their profile is going to be significantly different than perhaps a bunch of guys running around in blue helmets with live weapons. In well, vehicles you can, yeah, you can that... also, uh, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say that you can also, uh, and I was in the military, and I live by a military base now, and uh, and I know that a lot of, uh, like you said, there's a lot of the vehicles and units and stuff, they're either driving down the road, mm-hmm. or they've got them uh, piled up on freight cars and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, flatbeds, hauling them somewhere. And, uh, you know, usually for deployments to be shipped out somewhere or something like that. Who knows where? They're, they're always in movement. Yeah, but, usually uh, at the MRO where they get cut up. 
Yeah. Well, each of the each of the military vehicles, unless they are coming back directly from uh, a maintenance issue where they've had to be either they're brand new or they just got chopped up or uh, are repaired or something like that, they'll all have uh, exact identifying numbers on their bumpers. I mean, they'll have you can you, you can tell the exact individual vehicle because it'll be labeled to all the way down to that significance. So if you were just if you could just make a note of the vehicle's identification number, it's painted on the bumper in big black letters, then uh, you would at least have some idea of where the where they were from, where they were going, uh, and if certainly anybody can put uh, different numbers or stuff on there, but they don't they won't be doing that if it's a if it's a regular legitimate unit. So I think that you could. Uh, I think you do exactly what you were talking about. And let me say just for a minute that uh, I was reading supports, some reports about six months ago about the drug cartels doing exactly what you're talking about. That they have now have, they said, over two dozen, uh, as far as they think they know, two dozen uh, different communications uh bases set up in the United States that if it were the military, they would be considered uh, like brigade and division communication hubs. And they use those, these hubs to direct the distribution of, uh, of drugs and also to safeguard their, uh, their lines. So if the drug cartels are doing it, I mean, there's no reason that, that, banded together that we couldn't uh, form some type of an intelligence gathering hub. And that's exactly one of the things I was hoping that we would talk about tonight is intelligence gathering. Yeah. Uh, so, so go ahead, continue on. Continue yeah. on with now, you. with that, you know, with that tool, you know, it has to be used correctly. And, and one of the biggest pet peeves I have with the 3%, you know, free floor movement uh, in this country is the fact that they really don't know how to report information accurately. I'm sorry. If you take a minute worth of video of a Union Pacific train out in the middle of the god-awful desert, hauling a bunch of clapped-out Humvees that have different color uh, body pieces on them, obviously DMRO, you know, scrap vehicles, that doesn't tell us anything. Yeah, it's a cute picture of, of a freight train. Uh, you know, go put it up on a rail fan site. That gives you absolutely no information. Likewise, if you happen to see an LAV-25 driving down the road, again, yeah, okay, it's an LAV-25. That doesn't really tell me anything other than it's an LAV-25. The military uses a acronym called SALUTE, S-A-L-U-T-E, which is the SALUTE report. And everyone who is in who has gone through basic training knows that salute i mean it's one of the things they hammer into you you know constantly and it basically right. stands for size activity location unit or uniforms time and equipment um size how many people are in the unit activity what are they doing location 
Where are they? Give map coordinates if they're available. Otherwise, the best description you can available. Unit and uniforms, who are they? What type of uniforms are they wearing? Descriptions of the uniforms. What type of camouflage? Um, what type of insignias are on the uniform? Uh, time, that's pretty self-explanatory. You know, when did you see them? You know, date and time. Uh, equipment, what weapons do they have? What type of vehicles, if any? What type of radios? Uh, do they have anything else distinctive, like any type of weird specialized equipment? Just by doing that, a lot of the BS that hits the Patriot blogosphere uh, can go away, and everyone won't be running around in, in condition red all the time and getting burned out. Uh, and getting disgusted when, you know, the 24th false alarm finally goes through and it, you know, just happens to be the fact that, you know, you know, Joe, Joe Schmo went and, you know, bought a, uh, you know, bought a, uh, bought, bought a deuce and a half uh, that originally belonged to the town public works in an auction somewhere and he's driving it home and, you know, all of a sudden it becomes, you know, a UN vehicle. Uh, going through, or there was one story I remember. You know, this is back in the old, you know, in, in the old New World Order days in the early '90s, where someone was talking about a military base that had uh, Russian tanks stored in it, and it turned out they were a bunch of old uh, M551 Sheridans. And for those uh, who aren't familiar with armor, those were the light tanks that were used by airborne forces. Still might be, for all I know, these days. Uh, but these M551 Sheridans were sitting in a weed-strewn lot and were basically waiting to be dragged out to an impact range to have the crap blasted out of them by right. field artillery. Uh, I mean, the, the things were hardly even drivable. Um, they were just scrap, and they were sitting there for you know quite a long time. If any, if you know the rust on the bogey wheels was any indication, you know. But all of a sudden, they became you know magical Russian tanks. Uh, that were, you know, in position and, you know, ready to be used against U.S. citizens. I'm not saying that that might not happen at some point. All the Russians seem to have their hands full uh, over on their side of the fence. But, again, the conspiracy theory stuff needs to go away, and people need to start reporting facts. It's that simple. And I hate to take an extreme position on something like this, but... You either do it right or you're an idiot and we don't, don't want to deal do with you. Yeah. yeah because Listen, you, it, you it see needs that to happen. All the time. Yeah, you, you see this all the time. And, and I can't tell you, like you said, it's it becomes such a, a huge amount of chafe and chatter that there is no way that you could ever, uh, that anything real could ever make it to the forefront because it's it's floating along on a bed of chafe. And yeah. uh, you see those photographs all the time. I see people rushing breathlessly, typing in caps, saying, oh, my gosh, look what I just saw. And I look at it, and it's a picture of uh, some battalion's uh, Humvees and uh, their light fighting vehicles, mm -hmm. and they're on their way back from deployment. You can tell they are because, because of the way they look. And... Uh, and and these folks are freaking out. If you had uh, some kind of place where you could tell folks, look, uh, here's the deal. Here's how we want to receive your report. 
or we don't even want you talking to us. We want this salute report, size, activity, location, unit, time, equipment, very simply, any photographs, you send it in, we'll, uh, and we'll disseminate it. You don't, don't try and do it on your own. You send it in, we'll, we'll check it against uh, all the rest of the stuff, and we'll, we'll send it on. I think that's a, a perfect. If somebody would take uh, take the time and effort uh, to begin setting up some system like this, I think that'd be perfect. Now I don't know what uh, what the government would have to say about it. I don't see how they could say anything really if they're moving a a column of uh, or a brigade's vehicles uh, uh, on a train through the public domain. Uh, it can't be secret, right? I mean, uh, I don't know. Well, that would that would then fall into you know a separate category of the battle, which would be the you know uh, political war and the you know and, and the legal war, and that's another thing that that kind of you know perturbs me off because that also kind of has to do with communications because remember you're not just communicating amongst yourselves but you also you know communications can also be the dissemination of propaganda. Now I'm no propaganda specialist, and there are you know psyop types out there who are you know, who have a lot more experience and expertise than I am, because I'm just a commo guy. But, again, this is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, we do a lot of rah, 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 you know, cheering squad for our own side, preaching to the choir, and we're really, really good with that. Or maybe we're not really, really good than that, because everyone just kind of struts around all kind of, you know, smug and happy, you know, yay for our team, and nothing really right. gets done. But you also need to be, uh, in addition to that, you need to be, um, you need to at least keep the neutrals neutral to possibly even positive. And you also need to basically, uh, how can I say, um, you also need to kind of, um, how can I say, uh, uh, piss off the hostiles uh, without crossing that, that, that magic line where it becomes a criminal case. Um, and the news media does it. The news media does it all the time. All right. I mean, whenever there's a shooting here in the Northeast, you know, they're always talking about, you know, the assault rifle. You know, it could be a, you know, it, it, it could be a bolt action 22 rifle. Uh, you right. know, or a BB gun, and all of a sudden it, it, it becomes an assault rifle. And towards that end, a lot of the propaganda that we use to cheer on our own side uh, doesn't work against the other side. Uh, you have to use their emotional indexes uh, against them. And, um, you know, and of course we're trying to basically, especially with the gun rights thing, they're trying to use logic in an emotional argument, and hmm, surprisingly enough, it doesn't work. All right, I mean, the, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, if you're against gun ownership, you know, you're a POS child molester Nazi. End of discussion. All right, I mean, why? Because, well, obviously, you know, child molesters uh, don't want, you know, parents to be able to... Uh, you know, protect their kids, and Nazis were in favor of gun control, so there you are. You're a POS child molester Nazi, and let them try and defend themselves against the same, you know, na name-calling and, uh, you know, mudslinging that, that, you know, they, they use against they us. They dish out everywhere else, yeah. 
Yeah, and, you know, it works on it because then it puts them on the defensive trying to realize, uh, you know, trying to, you know, justify their thing. Or they pretty much don't answer you, but if you keep pushing them long enough, they're going to have to respond uh, because they just they just can't keep their fingers out of the cookie jar. Um, but uh, that's something that, again, you know, needs to be addressed. Uh, maybe there are people working on it, but I'm going to, you know, throw it out there because, you know, again, it's, you know, part of communications. Um, but the I noticed that a lot of the people in the movement uh, seem to be really quick to automatically assume See, there are three basic ways you affect change politically. Um, the first is the, you know, is the soapbox. You get up and you start preaching. Uh, the second is the ballot box, where, you know, you, you vote enough, uh, you know, you, you vote your people in uh, in mass, um, or you, at the very least, uh, make sure you contribute uh, to the incumbent's, uh, you know, political action campaign more so than the other side does. Uh, personally, I think if everyone, you know, took one rifle out of their collection, sold it, and contributed to a PAC fund, we'd probably be owning quite a few senators and congressmen. Uh, but then again, you know, that's just me talking, and maybe I'm not making any sense at this point. But uh, hey, well, that's, yeah. what, that's what the anti's, that's what ties in the statists are doing. All right, I'm going to come out right and say it. They're making, they're making, you know, political contributions to their people. You know, to their candidates, to their, you know, to their senators and congressmen who are just going to, you know, nod their head up and down and, you know, basically do what their, you know, what their contributors want. And I'm sure, as a matter of fact, I'll even go out so far as to say I, I, I bet if, if, if we came up with, uh, you know, uh, more money than, uh, you know, than Nancy Pelosi's uh, biggest contributor and uh, gave her a nice fat check, I bet she'd roll over in an instant. Um, yeah, I mean, because, you know, they have absolutely no morals and they basically go, you know, with whoever pays them the most money. So, yeah, I mean, hey, hey you know, no one, no one ever said war was nice. Um, but well, if you, basically, if you had a uh, hundred million uh, gun owners and each one uh, uh, donated one rifle that was uh, worth a hundred bucks, that's a little bit of cash that... Uh, it could go a long way. Yeah, we we could start a really nice, you know, political action campaign with, with with that type of money. Heck, we might even be able to buy buy a news media outlet. I mean, all you need. I mean, it's really interesting. The um, the guy who wrote Unintended Consequences was a um, was actually a financial advisor, and uh, it was um, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of financial whizzes. Um, who are into guns, and if one of them were to just anonymously come up with a plan to, say, affect a, you know, covert uh, majority stock purchase of, say, uh, you know, CBS, uh, you know, everyone buying a few shares of stock and, you know, turning over their voting to, you know, a particular proxy, okay, easier said than done, but I'm just throwing this out here because I'm just a writer of complete and total fiction, and, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. But if they were to do that, you know, all of a sudden you might uh, – CBS might all of a sudden have an editorial change. One never knows. Now, does one. Uh, but we're really getting into the advanced stuff here, uh, you know, right now. Uh, but, again, this is stuff involving, you know, it's all part of communications. Um, I'd just rather deal with the more, you know, nuts and bolts aspects of it. But 
again, this is stuff that people are going to have to start, uh, you know, uh, considering. Um, but uh, now, where were we? Uh, we're we're going to continue about uh, communication stuff. Um, as far as I think where we left off last time, uh, I think where I basically let off is that there are a few things that everybody should have. And I think before the time kicked out, I was talking about you know receivers, you know police scanners and shortwave receivers, and that's when our when our time buzzer rang. Uh, past that, you pretty much need to be on the same you know, sheet of music as everyone else. Now, I think I said last time that I hardly expect everyone to go get their ham radio license and become you know, an Uber communicator. That's basically a job for a unit's communication specialist. But if you have at least a decent CB radio setup, which requires no license, and maybe even if you have your technician class ham license, and you can get on, you know, the two-meter band from, you know, local and maybe even short-range regional communications. You, that doesn't require a whole lot of technical expertise, and it still gives you a significant leg up and enables you to participate in a local and possibly regional network, uh, which can then get up-channeled by the communications expert up on shortwave or by, um, you know, microwave relay systems that I expect to be, you know, set up at some point when the need arises and all sorts of other uh, modes of communication that can get really complicated and probably aren't going to be able to talk about too much uh, this time around, but there's always future episodes. The, the thing, though, is that you should start locally. Um, get your local networks up and running. And once you get a local network established, then you might end up going and getting your neighbors involved. And by neighbors, I mean the units and groups next to you, the next town or county over. The next thing you know, if you get enough of them together, now all of a sudden you have a regional network. And I think eventually those regional networks will, you know, coalesce into a national type network. Now, I know watching the blog sphere, uh, uh, Sam Culper, who does Forward Observer magazine, uh, which is probably going to be the go-to magazine for the 3% movement, he's an Intel guy. I'm sure he's working on a few bits and pieces here and there and trying to get stuff together. Um, if you follow uh, Sam Carradine over at the 3% blog, uh, I know Carradine was working on a uh, on a talk that he was said he was going to be able to drive around and that was going to be equipped with various radios and monitoring equipment and you know news media gear and all that so there are people out there who are working on you know on the big picture um, and those of you who, who are you know you know who you are and you know who you know who, who you're talking to and all that uh, for the rest of you you know, you need to start locally. You know, just get your local communicate. First off, get your get your local news feeds in. You know, with your scanner and your shortwave receiver and all that. Find out what's going on locally with you. Report the information that you have. You know, up channel it through your chain of command, and the rest will just go from there. You know, it'll all fall into place. At least I hope it will. And then, but it has to start 
locally with people, you know, giving proper salute reports and keeping their eyes open and basically acting as, you know, you know, sensors on the, uh, you know, on the ground. And it doesn't even have to be, you know, all that complicated. I think we just read a story. Um, I guess the German prime minister uh, got a little cranky because we were listening to her cell phone conversations or something like that, or the NSA was. Um, so I guess the Germans are now going back to manual typewriters uh, for a lot of their, you know, sensitive information. You know, that's pretty low right, tech. Right. Um, but, you know, hey, it works. And, uh, well, it's not something that can be, you know, easily tapped or, you know, something that can be monitored because it's not going out, you know, over a phone line or over, you know, a Wi-Fi link or anything like that. Um, so there are all sorts of things you can, you know, you can do to keep the local you know, communications channels up and running, uh, you know, for when the grid goes down. Right. Well, uh, let's talk about, uh, I don't, I don't want to completely go back into the, uh, uh, into our last discussion. I mean, I do at some point, but let's talk about the, uh, about the actual, uh, I guess the, the, the facts of it or the, the actual mechanical way to do it as far as setting up, uh, your local, Groups and beginning to uh, to work out the uh, the actual means of gathering the information and stuff like that. Now you're talking about uh, I guess that right now when, communi- when communications are up and running uh, on all fronts, uh, you know, computers, televisions, uh, radio stations, everything else like that. It's not that hard because you've got, you've got, matter of fact, you've got tons of information uh, coming in, more than you can usually handle. But, uh, but what, the, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit the last time. What is the, what is the best way for folks to get started as far as, uh, what should be their first purchases as far as, uh, as gear for their local to get their local hub up and running, what would you recommend? Okay. Uh, and, and and keep it kind of like, uh, you know, in a, uh, you know, on a budget, so that um, because most of the folks it seems that are willing to do this are are not folks that uh, that have a lot of money to spend. All right, what would I do? As far as well, with communications, I divide comma into two: active and passive. Active is what you use to talk out with. Passive is what you're used to receive. Um, we're going to go on to the active side, so we're going to not talk about police scanners and shortwave receivers uh, at this point. Um, active, it has to work. For local communications, um, you basically have licensed and unlicensed. Unlicensed, you have essentially three services. Good old-fashioned CB. FRS, Family Radio Service, which are those little 14 or 21 channel, one watt or half watt handhelds, Uh, and another service called MURS, which is on a little lower frequency and has five channels. Of the two, probably the two best of those three for license free are going to be CB and MURS. Okay. CB gets out once you have a proper installation. No license required, five watts. 
under most circumstances, you're going to get anywhere from 5 to 20 miles line of sight, depending on your arrangement and your location, on a CB rig. That's local. All right? MURS is running 2 watts on a higher frequency. However, it's FM. It's a little more resilient to noise. It doesn't tend to skip out as much. With a proper antenna, 2 watts, well, 2 watts and a handheld radio gets you about a mile or two max sometimes further if you're a little higher in elevation. With a decent external antenna on it, it can reach out 10, 15 miles under the right circumstances. But those two are your best bet for license-free local communications. The FRS radios, they have about a half a watt fixed antenna. Yeah, they say they go 20, 30 miles and all that on the packaging. It's, it's all a bunch of BS. If you're if you're lucky, you'll wind up getting a mile out of them. Right, right. I know that some of those radios are um, 22 channel. That's because they also have a service on it called GMRS, which I'm going to get into next now. So we covered the, the three license-free services. Now you have licensed services, basically broken down to two things for local communications. GMRS which stands for General Mobile Radio Service, and that runs in the 400, the 460 megahertz band, and, of course, VHF ham radio, which has any number of bands that, you know, can be used, you know, in the VHF, UHF region. Right now, we'll say, since we're dealing with local, you know, I'm going to assume uh, light suburban to rural to possible wilderness environment, uh, the best two ham bands are going to be 6 meters and 2 meters. 2 meters is 144 to 148 megahertz on a scanner, and 6 meters is 50 to 54. Of the two of those, 2 meters is the most common. I know a lot of the Chinese handhelds and other radios are dual band or more, and they also have the 440 band, but 440 band is on UHF, and it doesn't work so well in rugged terrain. Great urban band, though, but... You know, we're trying to stay out of urban areas for the most part. On the UHF side, you have GMRS, which is similar to the 440 handband. Uh, you can use handhelds and you can use mobiles. It requires a license, but there's no testing involved like an amateur radio. And I think you give the FCC like $80 or something and you have a license that's good for five years or some amount like that. Again, it's an alternative to amateur radio if you don't feel you want to take the test and you're basically looking for a turnkey solution uh, similar to CB. Uh, GMRS requires, really needs a repeater in order to work effectively because it is up on the UHF band. Um, I throw it out there because, again, it is it is a um, you know an alternate amateur band. Uh, however, by and large, if you're going to go with higher power and licensed stuff, you're going to wind up on, you know, on two meters because the equipment's out there, it's dirt common, and most importantly, it's inexpensive in this instance. Any one of those three or four recommendations, and I kind of got to put GMRS in that kind of so-so maybe category, uh, any of those three or four will work for local communications. Done. And that's it. I mean, that's all there really is to it on the local side. You'll be able to get out with a decent setup. I mean, heck, if you're, if you're on the 2-meter handband and you have a couple of 50-watt bases with decent antennas on them, they'll easily, depending on your terrain, go 20, 30 miles. 
that's all you basically need for, you know, local communications at this point, you know, among your group. If you are in a really extreme terrain situation, like perhaps out in Idaho, at that point, I would consider maybe going to the lower frequencies, um, the shortwave frequencies, what the hams call HF or high frequency, and then you would use something called ENVIS, Near Vertical Incident Skywave, where you basically bounce a shortwave signal straight up into the ionosphere and it bounces down right back on top of you. That's a very non-technical description of it, but ENVIS will give you a consistent 300-mile rough range radius of, of where you are. Um, but that then requires HF gear is more expensive than your 2-meter VHF gear, and it requires that higher class of license to use. You need a general class license as opposed to a you know, technician class. But if that's what you need, that's what you need. Yeah, it's that simple. Now that you know what the best communications are for local use, the thing to do is to try them and see what works for you in your particular area. And once you have that, you're all good to go. Okay. We've got uh, – uh, going back to the very beginning when you were talking about unlicensed – and you mentioned the uh, FRS, the uh, uh, CB, and MERS. Yep. And uh, those are all pretty much in, in most people's uh, affordable categories. And that's yeah. a great way to get started. Uh, oh, it's an excellent this, way to get started. Uh, you can do that this week while you're working on your getting your license yep. and you're exploring other communications. And uh, now it doesn't have a lot of range. That just means you have to be more creative, and wow. you have to figure out some way to, uh, uh, if you're going to get distance, if you want to get real distance, and you've got to figure out some way to to plot the, everybody's locations on the map and figure out some way to string an actual working system together. If you want to get information yeah. from Houston to Austin, then you're going to, yeah, you're going to have to figure out ways to relay, and you're going to have to figure out... Since you can't be sitting there all day with the phone and the, the radio against your ear, you're going to have to figure out times that you're going to relay and stuff like yeah. that. So these are things that uh, that you can start working on with your group now. You can certainly get uh, you know an inexpensive uh, FRS radio and say, look, uh, let's let's test this out. I'm going to I'm going to start uh, giving you some calls tonight at six o'clock or something, and uh, and the people that can hear me can respond back and we'll. We'll put you guys into the line uh, of where we need to go to get information out to the rest of us because we have to do that here locally. Like we're running a uh, uh, like our uh, running gun here, the zombie biathlon. We have to have uh, like station two has to relay to station one for us because they're yeah. like right at the even though it's only it's only a mile away and it should we should be able to get it. It's through dense woods and stuff like that, and we we can't get them, so we have to. Uh, you know, establish beforehand, okay, we're at station two, you're going to run to, uh, station three, you're going to relay to one for us and uh, and start setting up those types of relay systems now. And the same thing with the CBs. Now, I thought that they wanted you to have some type of, of license for the for CBs. Uh, or not not just, anymore. That, that okay. went away in the 1980s. <laughs> um, there you go. I'm right on top of things, man. Yeah. CB, I have to say that I really kind of like, you know, I kind of like, you know, 
CBs because they, they get the job done and they're fairly inexpensive. You can walk into Walmart and pick up a, a basic unit in 40-channel CB, AM only, for 35 bucks. They don't have decent antennas in there, so you'd have to, you know, mail order one or, you know, find it at a CB shop. But you could get a, you know, you can get a, a basic CB from Walmart for 35 bucks. I just jumped up and did a quick Google search for one particular um, CB model, uh, which a lot of guys like, uh, the Cobra 148 GTL. That's, that radio also has sideband in addition to AM, and sideband has a little bit better talk power. Uh, I know all the technical types are going to cringe at this, but I'm not having a technical discussion here. I'm just talking about radios. Uh, single sideband has a little bit better talk power than AM, all things considered. And if you can get everyone to get a single sideband radio, that would be excellent. And I'm looking here, and I've got on Google Cobra 148 GTLs, uh, go anywhere from 126 to 100 and actually 125 to 150 bucks a pop uh, at various sources. Uh, Fry's Electronics has them for uh, 124.99. Newegg has them at 131, and CB World has them at, at 150. That's still fairly reasonable for you know for a decent you know CB rig that that'll last a while. Um, Cobra's a good brand. Uniden's also a good brand. Uh, I'm kind of uh, fond of the um, of the Uniden President series myself, uh, like the President Grant and uh, and all those. Uh, if you can find those, those are, are really really nice radios, and you can probably find one used, um, you know, about the hundred dollar range. Uh, if we look, I don't even know if they still make them anymore. That's how long it's been since I've had mine, but. Uh, we can do a quick search here on Google, and uh, I mean basically the difference between um, you know a Union Inn and, and Cobra is basically the difference between uh, you know Ford and Chevy. <laughs> right. And uh, no, actually they don't. Uh, um, no, actually they don't make them anymore. Uh, okay, I guess they've been discontinued, but you can find them used on eBay. Uh, Cobra is still a good CB, though, you know, sideband. And you can find those. You can go into your local, you know, truck stop and, you know, find high-end CBs or a CB shop if you have one nearby. Uh, truck stops are usually easier. At that point, uh, you just need an antenna. Um, I'm just going to, you know, there are a whole lot of different antennas, and some people, you know, everyone has their own specialty. I'm just going to throw out. Uh, one word, because a lot of friends of mine have them, use them, and have been happy with them. Some people swear by them. Others swear at them. So far, everyone I know has sworn by it. And the word is Antron A99. It's a base station antenna. It's a single half-wave whip, which means it's about 17 feet high. But it has a fairly nice wind load to it, so it's not going to get whipped around in high winds. I think they're new right now. They're new at about, I don't know, about 100. Uh, they're about 100 bucks new, and I think you can probably even pick them up at a CB shop or a truck stop somewhere. Uh, for a base antenna, it works, and that's all there, you know, that's all, all there really is to it, you know, is that they work and, and they get the job done. 
Um, if you're putting it in a car, uh, any of the decent high-end CB antennas that you would find at a truck stop or, or a CB shop, whether it's a Fire Stick, uh, a Wilson, or a K40, all three of those brands are good, and you can, you know, you can put it in your vehicle, and you know, you're all set and good to go. Um, if you want to do it in a vehicle installation, at that point, you know, once you have the install in, you know, pick pick one date and time a week, like every Friday at 8 p.m. or something like that, and. You and all your all the buddies in your group go and basically try to you know communicate with one another locally and try it from your house, try it from your driveway in your mobile, try it up the hill from your uh, you know try it up the hill from your house if you're you know on a slight incline and uh, I just came up with it and um the Antron nine is now being made by SolarCon, and interestingly enough, Walmart Online uh, has them uh, has them for uh, seventy five dollars and fifty two cents. <laughs> yeah, so you can order them from Walmart, and you know have it shipped to your house if you want. Um, and if you look at the um, at the product reviews on them on uh, on Eham, again, you know most people swear by them, uh, other people swear at them. Uh, but they get uh, all things considered. Uh, the average rating is about a 3.6 out of five stars, uh, and when you consider that includes the people that just hate absolutely everything uh, and give it one star, as I'd say that's a a pretty good review, all things considered, for the you know for that sort of thing, uh, you know, for a CB antenna. There you go. You know, you're all set and ready to go. Right. Uh, and that's all there is to it. I think that's going to be one of the best ways because uh, it's the uh, it's the equipment that most people will have, and they'll have it mm-hmm. in their vehicles. The uh, and certainly, you know, we were talking uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about this. We were talking about the way that uh, the way that truck drivers have uh, a huge oh, wealth yeah. of information oh, yeah. uh, that they are holding because. They 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 were you know 24 hours ago they were across the other side of the nation they were there they had oh, yeah. eyes on whatever was going on and uh, I think that that the the citizens band is certainly a, a great idea and I really like the idea that uh, that so many so many vehicles well most vehicles don't have them anymore they used to every vehicle used to have them. remember we were talking about that yeah and uh, it used to be the big thing because heck I remember. Uh, uh, right as I came back from the military, I was working for a company. Or actually, it was right before I left for the military. And the guy who was who was driving, uh, I was installing windows. This is when I was, uh, I think I was when I was 15. The guy who was driving was uh, a, like a CB fanatic. But we didn't have a CB in the truck. But what he did have was he just had the, the microphone and a cord. And uh, he just drove around all day acting like he was talking on the CB. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, at least the the truckers still have them. I know some people still have them, but uh, I think that, like you said, if you can work out the the system for your antenna, mm-hmm. then uh, then you'll have a really a pretty decent way to keep at least local communications. Yeah, and and they still are available. Heck, man, you can go to. Uh, flea markets and stuff like that, and you can buy a, mm-hmm. a truckload of them for pennies, you know. 
Yeah, I see them at Hamfests all the time for five, ten bucks a piece, and you know, ninety percent of the time they're working. Uh, and the other, you know, the other six or seven percent of the time is just some minor thing like a bad microphone connection that just needs to be soldered up, and uh, you know, it's all ready to go. I just uh, jumped up on the chat uh, room here, and I uh, fired off a, uh, a request. If anyone's uh, uh, question up, we have. Uh, all right, we have one question here. Uh, Snowmiser 2, uh, we are in a weak solar cycle. If it gets weaker, uh, how will this affect uh, HF, uh, Envis, et cetera? Um, really, as far as you know, the solar cycle goes, um, if we're in a strong end of a solar cycle, yeah, HF communications is going to be uh, better. However, Envis operates on the lower frequencies, uh, for Envis, you're typically running on the 75 and 80 meter handband, or on the um, you know 40 meter handband. I guess you could also run it on uh, on 160. Um, the even if you're in a weak solar cycle, the ionosphere is still there, and signals are still going to bounce off of it. If you were running DX, aiming for a low angle of takeoff on your HF signal uh, and trying to reach, um, you, know, Asia, you know, Central Asia on HF, then you'd be, you know, concerned a little bit about the, you know, about the weak solar cycle. But being is that you're just shooting straight up and straight down, the solar cycle doesn't really affect things as badly as it would for, you know, really DX communications. Uh, however, the HF band can also get, uh, you know, very, very noisy at times. Again, not so much of a hassle for Envis, but, you know, yes, it can affect it. Um, at that point, you, you know, go to your, you know, alternative, uh, you know, communications. Often, in a lot of cases, if the lower frequency bands are, you know, acting a little wonky, you might be able to go up a little higher in frequency uh, and aim for a, you know, aim for a local, uh, you know, aim, aim to go with, you know, for local communications on a, on a higher band. And that's basically how you would deal with, you know, if, if you're, you know, if the HF starts getting noisy. But I'm not too, you know, concerned about, you know, uh, you know, weak, you know, solar cycle weakness points for, uh, you know, for Envis communications because, again, you're not. You're not bouncing your signal out, you know, a few, you know, a few thousand miles, hitting the ionosphere and then coming back down. You're basically shooting straight up uh, a few feet and, you know, a few, a few miles actually, and then coming back down. And uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Snowmiser too. You said you had one more question and a request. Um, I'm just waiting for the reply here. Well, we have. Uh we have the uh, the CBs, the Citizen Fan Radios, the MERS, and the FRS, and then uh, and then if folks are really serious about this, they should be trying to. The you've got the next line uh, of equipment uh, coming up. I'm gonna let's go ahead and answer the the yeah. question they had here. Okay. Uh, he asked, "Post shit hit the fan. Do you expect Op Four to start jamming? And what about countermeasures?" Well, let's assume, for you know, the sake of our theoretical discussion here, 
that you know they do um, you know they do start jamming. Um, the military uses HF, and a lot of people use HF, and they also go and um, you know they obviously have to worry about being you know being messed with as well. Um, one of the things that um, you know as you I don't really want to start talking about countermeasures uh, on a public forum because any countermeasure that becomes publicly known automatically becomes less effective. So right. I'm going to basically throw this out uh, to the blog sphere. As you learn, if you become a communications specialist, and as you learn more and more about communications, you will come across various hints and kinks and little oddball and interesting things here and there. And those are going to help you out. At, you know, this acquired expertise over a period of time uh, will help you out when the shit hits the fan. And at that point, when it comes down to that point when you've got that skill level, and now is the perfect time to work on that skill level because we're still in what's called the before math phase. And get up to speed now in the before math phase. Uh, there's a lot of things that I don't talk about on the blog, and I won't. But if you read everything that I put out in my recommendation list, and you start following certain rabbit holes known as websites I recommend down far enough, you'll find all sorts of interesting information that will help you out in any aspect of you know communications you uh, you know you wish to learn or, or, or wish to know about, and it's most importantly that you you know come up with your own little interesting you know variations on ideas and little hints and kinks of your own that perhaps uh, you know no one uh, you know has to worry about. Um, yep, and he just mentioned FM twenty four eighteen. The um, that's basically it. You know, that's what I can say at this point. I personally don't believe it's going to get down to that stage of the game uh, because they already own us. They already own the media, and I don't see anybody on our side doing anything whatsoever to stop that. Uh, so we're kind of in a limbo right now, and based on my best guess, we're more in, more in line for uh, a gradual Ayn Rand Atlas Shrug-type decline with an eventual collapse uh, as opposed to any... Um, as, as opposed to the status quo being disrupted um, is what it comes down to because they already, you know, we're, we're a bunch of weirdos and freaks and terrorists and, you know, mentally ill veterans, et cetera, et cetera, and the news media keeps hammering on this, and we just basically sit there, and so far I haven't seen anyone uh, sue NBC for defamation of character or engage in any of the political war or psy war stuff uh, that we should be doing. So really, is there any, is, you know, I mean, they've already won at this point. Um, that's basically it. Um, but, then again, you know, that's just my opinion, and it's up for all of you, you know, our listeners, to come to your own conclusions and, and go at it from there. Don't believe anything I tell you, because, you, know, you know, I'm just some voice at the end of a line, and I might not even be real. Uh, so you have to come to your own conclusions and do your own research. Uh, as far as a class down south, um, I'm going to send this out. I will do a class down south. Um, if anyone has 
a facility uh, that they are willing to um, make available, in a, you know, in an area where people can fly into or, or get public transportation. Um, and if you can get a group of people together uh, who can, you know, who, who are willing to go in for a group rate class, um, send me an email, sparks31 at hushmail.com. I will be more than happy to take a weekend and come down south to, you know, you know, to help, you know, to teach people. Uh, I already, I did a class once in, uh, you know, over in, um, in Maryland, over in Timonium or earlier this spring. But, um, you know, yeah, okay, Snowmiser 2 is going to email me. Uh, we very well might next year at some point, maybe next spring, um, or maybe even next winter if you're further enough down south, because, you know, I may, being up north, I may want to, you know, take a little bit of vacation down to, say, I don't know, the Carolinas or something. Uh, South Carolina would be nice. Uh, Florida, Georgia, uh, anywhere down there. Um, you know, if we can get together and you guys can come up, if, if you guys down south, uh, you know, can get enough people together and go in for a group rate class, I'd be, you know, more than happy to come down and, uh, you know, and, and teach you. And I think my, re my rates are, you know, are very, very reasonable. Um, you can charge the general public. You can either do it, make it an internal class or you can, you know, make it public like the Battle Road USA class in December that we're doing. You know, that's a public class. There's also another class going on in Wisconsin that, uh, you know, some folks up there are, are holding to the public. If someone down south of the Mason-Dixon line wants to do it, you know, get in touch with me and, you know, we'll talk and, you know, we'll try and make arrangements, uh, you know, for sometime early next year. Be more than happy to come down and, uh, you know, and teach you folks and <coughs> show you a few things. Um, well, we're, we're and, about uh, as far south as you can get over here. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think they're, they're talking more more along, you know, the, the Carolinas, uh, you know, you know, southern Virginia area. Um but uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, we are we are doing about as far south as you can go. I mean, uh, it may not be Brownsville, but you know, it's close enough. <laughs> yeah, or, or, or Key West. I don't know. Is Key West further south than Brownsville on on, on the latitudes? We have to look that up. But uh, th there we go. The uh, arrange to do a class down in Key West. That would be perfect. Right around February would be would be excellent. So uh, that, that that's a call out. You know, so someone make arrangements to do a group rate class in Key West, Florida, right around February. <laughs> that sounds that sounds pretty decent. Uh, the, uh, I don't yeah, know. Maybe, I know. Maybe we can get maybe we can get the Hemingway House or something. You know, for a weekend. <laughs> right. Uh, I know that you said you didn't want to discuss. Uh, 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 like counter measures and stuff, but what is uh? I guess you know if you're if you've set up one of these small uh, systems and you're operating it locally and you're beginning your uh, your your work on getting a, a local combo uh, system set up, are there ways to uh, uh, what are the some of the things that you should be doing? Uh, without giving away any any counter stuff, but just the, the the normal ways, the normal things you should be doing uh, to to make as small of a signature as possible. Um, well, 
let's see, where can I go? Um, see, the thing with, with, you know, with communications when we start getting into this thing is the requirements for doing a um, the requirements for doing a say a a, a hyped up cert team versus a fully operational unit um, are you know slightly different. Uh, however, uh, towards one end, uh, I can relate a story that that someone told me, and it was bunch about a bunch of good old boys uh, that lived up towards this neck of the woods, and they were involved in a couple of things that may or may not have been uh, you know uh, sketchy. Uh, however, they um, they used CBs for all their talking and all their operational communications, I guess you could say it. Uh, but if you were to listen to them on the air, uh, they just sounded like a bunch of good old boys BSing on the CB. There was absolutely no indication that, you know, anything was up. They're just a bunch of guys, you know, chatting on the CB back and forth. Uh, however, towards that end, they were getting things done, and no one quite figured out how they were getting things done over the CB, because whenever they were talking, it just sounded like, you know, a bunch of, you know, mundane conversation. Now, at this point, we are in a fairly permissive environment, particularly when it comes to the license-free bands. I mean, if you tune around above and below the CB bands and even start getting into the lower end of the 10-meter band above 28 megahertz, there's all sorts of unlicensed operators, high power, low power, you know, um, all these people on there, uh, people who are skip shooting, and you're technically not supposed to talk more than 155 miles away uh, on CB. That's actually an FCC regulation. I think it's 155 point something or another uh, miles. But obviously, if a guy's up in up in Maine and he's talking to someone down in Florida, skip shooting on the CB, uh, you know, he's breaking that law right off the bat. And if he's above or below Channel 40, then he's breaking two laws. But they're doing it, and, you know, the FCC really isn't out there in mass tracking them down and busting them. So really, right. they're in a permissive environment at this point. Now, where that environment goes from permissive to non-permissive is a whole nother, you know, a whole nother topic that we could get into. But right now, you know, in a permissive environment, um, you know, like these, uh, you know, like these good old boys in this story, I just, you know, said, uh, you know, they were able to just, it sounded like just a bunch of guys chatting on the CB. Uh, maybe they were just chatting on the CB or, you know, maybe they had some sort of really, really discreet voice code going on that, uh, you know, where they were, you know, communicating back and forth. Um, one never knows. Uh, no one will ever know. They never got caught, and eventually they all moved away, and that's the end of that story. But uh, Matthew Bracken, really great author, and his books were just on sale on Kindle. And I don't even know if they're still on sale or not. Um, they were free, actually. If they are, jump up on Amazon and download all three copies. This is an endorsement. The guy really, really knows his stuff. And he's a really good writer, too. And I'm just about to jump up on uh, on his uh, – actually, it was good till Wednesday. So, And actually, it looks like um, ah, Domestic Enemies, the Reconquista is, uh, is there, and all the others are, are there. But one of his books, which was uh, 
Castigo K. Um, he uh, he talked. There's a, a lot of interesting chapters in uh, Castigo K um, involving marine band radios, and I'm not going to give away the book for those of you who haven't read it. And this is this is an endorsement. Go read Castigo K. The heck with that. Go read everything that Matthew Bracken wrote. Um, he's a really good author. And I'm not making any money off of selling his books. Uh, but he's a really good author. Read his books. However, um, in particular, uh, read Castigo K and some of the, th- some of the chapters and passages uh, that involve marine band radios. And uh, I'm only going to say one word. Uh, devilfish. And those of you who read the book okay. know what I'm talking about. And that's it. <laughs> go go read his books. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the, the, there, the word there... the word the word of the day the word of the day is devilfish. <laughs> okay. Are there any other what are you talking about that? Are there any other books uh out there that uh that cover uh you know, in, in the and I'm not talking about uh, so much the uh, the technical aspects. And I'm, I'm, before I move on, let me make sure that I I tell folks that you do have uh, uh, a book out uh, that you uh, have uh, that you have developed for this grid down communications, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've got it on our website, or you can go to the uh, Spark Thirty One website uh, to order it. And uh, but are there other uh, books uh, like in the, the fictional genre that that discuss communications? Because I didn't see. I mean, they I, I saw them. They they talked about it some, like in uh, Lights Out. They talked about some of the uh, uh, combo that they had set up, ways that they had gotten around it. They're using the, the sheriffs, uh, mm-hmm. some of these sheriffs department radios and stuff like that. Are there any bo- other books that talk about this? Because one of the things is that Camo is, uh, and I tell folks all this this all the time, with things like uh, seeds and and Camo and all this kind of stuff. That it's not sexy, you know. It's it's like one of the most important things that you'll have, the third leg of your stool. Mm-hmm. It's not sexy enough for a lot of folks to to pay much attention to it. Um, I really can't think of any books that really you know get into you know usually the communications aspect of it. Is a you know is 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 peripheral you know to the main story. Um, the one fictional account that does come to mind um, is in uh, Rawls's book Patriots, and Patriots. Some people like the book, other people don't. Uh, I know. Some people consider, you know, that the Rawls approach to be, you know, for yuppie survivalists who have more money than common sense. But if you read his book, there's a chapter there called Radio Ranch. And whatever you may think of the rest of Patriots, and I thought it was a fairly good read for what it was, the chapter called Radio Ranch is as close to spot on as you're going to get. I know Rawls had someone write that for him. Uh, you know, someone contributed that chapter uh, as you know as he was developing the you know the book. 
Uh, however, that is a really, really good chapter. Um, that you know, you should just buy. You should buy a copy of the book just to read that chapter. Um, the other stuff, you know, again would be you know more technical. Uh, I've mentioned a few things on the blog, but as far as fictional stuff, yeah, read Castigo K and read the Radio Ranch chapter in Rawls's Patriots. Okay. And someone said that got me into ham radio. <laughs> uh, I'm going to assume I'm, I'm going to assume that that oh, the Radio Ranch chapter. Well, the, what uh, about? Uh... What about the nonfiction books, like the tech manual stuff? We've got yours, and can you mention some other uh, some other manuals or some oh. other? Uh, yeah, okay. uh, whip out your pen. And, yeah, whip out your, your your pen and pad on this one. I'm I'm just gonna go through the uh, go go through the shelf here and, and start pulling stuff off. Um, okay. Number one. Jump online. Now, this stuff is going to get really, really technical and, and, and complicated, you know, for reading. But, again, you know, it's basically aimed for people who have an aim to become a technical specialist, you know, your communications, uh, your, your electronic technology support specialist for your group or, or for a number of groups, um, starting from the basics uh, on up. Um, go online. Uh, download a complete copy of the Navy electric electrical and electronic uh, Navy electronic essentials uh, Navy essentials of electronic technology they call it the NEETS uh, books N-E-E-T-S and it's a it's the Navy electricity and electronics training series and there it's a series of 24 books all in PDF that you can download it's quite a you know, quite a quite quite a collection here. It starts at module one, introduction to matter, energy, and direct current, and goes all the way up to module twenty-four, introduction to fiber optics. Wow. Very very complete educational guide for electricity and electronics. It was basically designed to teach people in the Navy electricity and electronics. It's well, you free. Know, when you're mentioning that is, is and when we were talking earlier about the. Citizens Band. Uh, mm. That's one of the things that I that I really like about that system is that it's an older system, and and because it is, it's actually uh, a, now I'm not going to say it's simple, but it's a lot simpler than a lot of the gear that's out now. I mean, you can actually open up a CB radio, one that that may not be working correctly, and you may be actually actually able to fix it. Especially if oh yeah, particularly have particularly the older older gear, so, definitely with the older gear. Some of the newer stuff might have uh, surface mount stuff that's, you know, uh, large-scale integrated. But some of the older right. CBs, yeah, those, those are easy to fix. But continuing on, you have the Navy, you know, Electricity and Electronics Training Series. That's one. Second thing I would get is a copy of the ARRL Handbook for Radio Communications. That's another tome, and I've got the 2013 hardcover here. In my hands, and it is all of I don't know. It's a, it's pretty thick here, but let me just open up the back page, and uh, it's probably a good thousand thousand pages or so. Uh, it's it's a thick it's a thick text. Um, that is basically the Bible uh, for amateur radio. There is some duplication on the electronics basics uh, with uh, you know from the neats, but that's all right. 
but after that, it starts getting into uh, antenna systems for amateur radio, equipment construction and maintenance, test equipment, troubleshooting, uh, assembling your station. It gives very uh, basic schematics that you can use for building blocks to build your own gear. Um, it's a complete RF engineering reference. And new, they're about 50 bucks. You don't need to buy a new one. Go to a ham fest or go to, on Amazon and find one that was published within the past 10 years. They do a new edition each year. Get one within the past 10 years, and you're good to go. Um, that'll give you a good education. Eventually, if you become a combo specialist, you'll have them going all the way back to the 1940s, like I do, um, every few years. And you've got about 50 of them so far at this point. But, again, just get one within the past 10 years. Really good book. Uh, the other one I recommend, um, amateur radio-wise, Stealth Antennas. It's put out by the Radio Society of Great Britain. Uh, there's also links to all these stuff on my webpage, uh, sparks31.wordpress.com. Uh, I have a, a reference library list there. Uh, stealth Antennas, really, really good for non-permissive environments as well as out in the field. Uh, handy, just a handy book to have. Um, general electronics stuff, um, I think you should get a copy uh, from Radio Shack of Getting Started in Electronics from Forrest M. Mims. It's a really, really basic, even more basic than the Navy NEAT series uh, book that teaches you electronics. And it has some very, very useful schematics in the back. I think it's $20 from Radio Shack. Um, that's one you should have. And matter of fact, make that your first book. Uh, because that's just, it's really nice and, and real, it's a really easy read. It's only about 30, 40 pages. Um, while you're also at Radio Shack, um, go get the Forrest Mims um, Engineers Mini Notebook Series. Uh, two in particular you're going to want to get are Science and Communication Circuits and Projects and Electronic Sensor Circuits and Projects. Um, a lot of useful schematics in those, and uh, some of them are very, very useful for our applications. Uh, going more esoteric, um, old-time bookstore, uh, formerly Lindsay Publications. There are um, one, there's a six-volume series called Impoverished Radio Experimenter. It's tube-based technology, really, really. It's based what they call it. They basically call it steam-powered radio because uh, it's the radio equivalent of old steam engines. Get all six volumes. It's old school technology that's very, very applicable uh, to the here and now. And all six volumes, I think they're seven bucks a piece or something like that. You get a discount if you buy all six. Get all seven, read them in order, and go through the projects in them. And you'll learn a lot and have a lot of useful test equipment to help you, um, you, know, uh, you know, work on your own radios. Uh, another good book. Uh, that, that you get from an uh, old-time bookstore is H.P. Uh, Frederick's uh, Voice of the Crystal. Uh, one thing I strongly recommend technical specialists try at least once, and hopefully you won't get addicted like I did, uh, experiment with old-time crystal radios because they require no power um, other than a, you know, other than a, a, they, other than what comes in off the air. Um, if you have a 1N34A diode, you can make one, a modern one with that part number of diode. That's 1N34A. 
Or if you happen to be in an area that's rich in uh, pyrite or galena, you can get a small thumb-sized hunk of galena or pyrite mounted in a, in a, in a socket. Uh, I made mine out of, uh, out of an old plumbing fitting, and it's a completely and totally mechanical radio that requires no power. That is going to be useful uh, for the civilians, uh, you know, living amongst us after, after the grid goes down to be able to know what's going on in their community. Because I would expect at some point uh, some genius is going to fire up an old AM broadcast station or homebrew their own uh, to act as a community radio station. And right. all the locals are going to be listening in on their crystal radios to what's going on. That's what's going to wind up happening. Um, it's going to be low-tech, and it's going to work. And as a matter of fact, if you read those impoverished radio experimenter series books, um, you'll actually get some information on how you may wind up going about becoming a community radio station, uh, you know, after the, you know, after the grid goes down and we enter a period of, uh, you know, without rule of law. Um, and, you know, it all winds up tying together. If you, uh, being able, it's an advanced ta tactic or advanced technique, but uh, being able to homebrew your own gear um, out of common electronic components is very, very useful because then not only are you able to fix your own stuff, but now you're not bound to actually buying gear or you're not bound to, you know, you're not bound to stuff that's off the shelf. Um, I know I mentioned... Uh, Last thing, uh, and, I, and I hope the guy doesn't like, you know, file a restraining order against me for talking about him again, but that gentleman out west, uh, Neoanderthal, who basically makes his own stuff, you know, out of junk parts, that is an incredible skill. I would hope that at least some of you who decide to become technical specialists get to that level. Um, towards that end, uh, one book, very, very advanced book. I don't recommend you get it. You're probably going to have to buy it new because they're hard to come by used, and it's 50 bucks. It's from the ARRL, uh, the same people who put out the handbook, Experimental Methods in RF Design. Um, the guys who wrote that build their own radios from scratch, and they also happen, by the way, to be uh, into something known as adventure radio, where they basically take their low-power homebrew radios uh, up to mountaintops and other remote locations while camping or fly fishing or other outdoor activities, and, you know, and they operate. Uh, incredibly useful skill. Like I said, I at least hope a few of you get to that level uh, because, you know, you, you guys are going to be worth your weight in gold. <laughs> um, I think that's a, uh, that, that's a pretty good start there because I've already dumped about three or 4,000 pages of info uh, right, right. In, in your lamp at this point. It's going to take a while to read all of it. It's not going to happen tomorrow. This is... Being a technical specialist is not for someone who wants instant gratification. I've been doing it now for close on 30 years, and uh, yeah, I, consider, I only consider myself fair to Midland as far as, you know, a tech goes. Um, the, I haven't even gotten it, started getting into, like, you know, surface mount stuff or some of the really, really higher, you know, microwave frequency, uh, you know, things uh, that might have some, interesting applications due to their highly directional nature um, and uh, low probability of intercept nature uh, and the fact that they're so high in frequency that not everyone has the equipment to listen to them. But uh, that's what's called a hint. The 
I'm not, you know, I'm at that at that level. I'm working on it, but this is not something, you know, for, you know, instant gratification. Um, I would compare it to, say, um, a E, say an E1, E2 infantryman uh, versus a E7 Marine scout sniper. Right. Um, you're going to start out as the communications equivalent of an E2 infantryman, and if you keep working at it over the years, eventually you're going to get to that, you know, you know, E7 sniper level, and uh, have one impressive skill set, uh, you know, packed up behind you. Uh, what about yeah, online uh, uh, areas that people can go to to get schooling and uh, and help with this? Some kind of like forum and stuff like that. I know there's your uh, uh, website, but is there are there like the typical gearhead things like? Uh, um, there are. Yeah. A lot of amateur radio websites out there, and if you do a Google search, you'll you'll find some that uh, you'll find way too many to uh, you know to surf it at any given time. Uh, one website I like to hit is uh, hfpack.com. That is Hotel Fox, uh, Papa Alpha, uh, Charlie Kilo. Hfpack.com. Those guys actually walk around with HF radios on their backs, uh, and they run pedestrian, you know, mobile or portable operation down on HF. A lot wow. of interesting, useful information on that website. Uh, direct ability to, uh, you know, to what we're doing here. And if you happen to do, you know, uh, Google searches for, you know, um, adventure ham radio or mountaintopping or similar things, you're just going to come up with more information that I could talk about within the next 15 minutes, uh, right, you know, on, uh, on resources. But there's a uh, – uh, there are are there other uh, – and this is something that I haven't – I need to, to look at too. Are there other – I know that there, there are tons of, uh, uh, of websites and forums and groups and stuff out there for – uh, for hobbyists, you know, for communication yeah. hobbyists, ham radio folks, stuff like that. But there has to be some that are dedicated to this specific thing, which is, uh, which is preparing for communications uh, in a grid down situation. Now I know also that that's like that's 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 like a basics mm-hmm. basics premise of oh. ham radio and stuff. But there has to be some that are specifically there is dedicated one site. to this. Yep, there is one site offhand that I would recommend, and we're going to be getting, you know, going to start working with them uh, in the future, and that's Amron, the American Readout Radio Network, and their website is www.amron. That's Alpha Mike. Romeo Romeo Oscar November dot com. American Readout Radio Operators Network. They just they're out west and they just recently merged with uh, the East Coast uh Tappern, uh the American Preparedness Radio Network. Um the gentleman who runs it is uh John Jacob Schmidt and he's putting together a network uh, they've established frequencies and nets and all that, and they would be your best bet 
if you want to get involved in an existing network and uh, you know and get up to speed. And his website has a lot of good you know nuts and bolts resources uh, on it. Okay. And that and, would be uh, you know, that would be where I would that would be where I would start at this point. I mean, I know there there are a whole bunch of you know I've seen a lot of radio networks, you know, preparedness and prepper networks and militia networks on ham radio, uh, you know, come and go over the years. And I have to say, at this point in time, our best bet for having a you know cohesive, coherent network nationwide would be with Amron. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know the guy personally, never met him, but based on what I've seen on his website and, you know, from what my people who talk to his people, you know, have, have you know, come across with, with our communications, um, that's our best bet at this point. And that's who I would endorse. Okay. Um, and so that's, uh, certainly your, your website, uh, your blog is uh, – a great place uh, to get questions answered and yeah. follow along uh, for yeah. information and stuff on this. Oh, yeah. And uh, give folks your, your address. Uh, yep, it's sparks31.wordpress.com. And uh, also I want to throw a shout-out here to, uh, to Snowmiser. Um, he, um, he mentioned, and this is a classic, um, Horowitz's uh, The Art of Electronics, which you can get off of uh, Amazon. Um, that's um, that's the art of electronics. You know, common spelling, and the author is Horowitz, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z. Um, that's that's another good uh, you know another good. It's a college level electronics text, text uh, but it is a good book. Uh, I might even have a copy floating around here somewhere uh, in in the archives. But that was a good one. Uh, so thank you, uh, Snowmiser. And for those of you who haven't jumped on the chat line, a lot of links um, and uh, URLs are, are, are getting across there. So I would uh, I would suggest uh, within the next ten minutes, uh, you know, before we uh, before we end this uh, this episode, uh, you know, jump up on there and pull some of these links. I actually think what I will do is uh, I'm going to go and uh, try to copy them here and put them up on the blog as well. But um, thank you, uh, Snowmiser, for uh, throwing those links up for for us on here. Okay, I'll hold the I'll hold the chat room open too. So after the show for a while, if folks want to try and access it now, I don't know if you can or not. But I'll hold the blog the uh, the chat open, and then I'll also post post these on the uh, uh, on okay. the blog site for the radio too. All right. Yeah. The uh, the cut and paste on the chat room seems to be a little on the weird side. It's not doing multiple lines, but at any rate, the stuff is up on there. And uh, there's also another one uh, that Snowmiser brought up uh, from uh, Khan Academy. Um, Khan Academy K-H-A-N Academy.org uh, forward slash science forward slash physics forward slash electricity dash and dash magnetism forward slash V uh, forward slash circuits dash dash part dash one um, is another one that Snowmiser just uh, threw up there on the chat line. So uh, 
Okay. I'm sure we can take more than one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'm sure we could handle more than nine people on the chat line within the next ten minutes. Um, for those of you who wanna who wanna grab these links. All right, and uh, and the uh, the possibility, and that really interests me, is, is the the fact that <laughs> that even if you uh, with just a little bit of uh, of knowledge in this, that there are ways that you can actually uh, build uh, devices to listen and even uh, to broadcast on uh, without going and buying anything. And oh, yeah. I used to always be completely amazed at you know, you were watching the old uh, the old movies about World War II, and you would see them. Uh, uh, Hand somebody a you know a box of matches or a cigarette pack, and uh, you open it up and uh, and somebody has made a homemade uh, radio that fits inside oh, yeah. the cigarette totally pack. Totally easy and, and, and definitely in possible their, in their garage, you know. Oh yeah. Also, you want to talk about? Uh, I just put another rabbit hole uh, up on the chat line, and I'm going to fire it out here. Uh, well, we still got some time. Green Bay Professional Packet Radio www.golfbravopapapaparomeo.org. I'm going to – he has a lot of good technical information. However, I'm throwing out a disclaimer. Um, some of his socio, socio-political content certain people might find offensive. Um, and I'm going to come out right and say that I don't agree with 90% of his sociopolitical content. Uh, however, from a technical standpoint, he puts out good information. So I guess you got to take the bad with the good, but that's gbppr.org. And right. my endorsement of that website only goes as far as the technical content. Um, but again, you know, you have to take the bad with the good. So there's a lot of interesting technical information on there. Um, yeah, I, I just don't like where he takes his commentary sometimes. But uh, right, well, like you said, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to subscribe to somebody's uh, uh, any socio-political uh, views or anything uh, if you just want uh, some technical information. So yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, exactly. But again, you know, again, it's out. You know, the information is out there, and I just threw that uh, that link up on the uh, on the chat line too. That that site was actually a part of that site. Uh, the military and hundred electronics directorate was actually mentioned uh, a couple times over on uh, on Western rifle shooters as well. And I think I might have thrown the link up on my site a few times. So uh, that 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 site is out there. Um, and. Uh, okay. With that, I guess we got five minutes left. Um, again, we have a bunch of courses coming up. Um, at this point, uh, I want to say that um, the Sparks 31 sponsored classes in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, Waterbury, Connecticut are full. Um, they're all full up at this point, so there's no more slots. However, December 6th and 7th, Buckholtz, Texas, sponsored by... You know, the folks that, that, that do this radio show for us, Battle Road USA. Um, I guess uh, www.battleroadusa.com 
forward slash grid dash down dash communications dash course dot html. Uh, I'm assuming that, that you guys still have some slots available. Um, if you're down in Texas, yeah, we got, uh, we've got we've got we've got about seventy uh, percent. Matter of fact, while we're talking, I just got another uh, 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 email in about the course and some other folks that signed okay. up. We do that course is filling up. So any of you who are out there who want to take the course down in Buckholtz, Texas, move on it sooner than later. Also, if I may, um, if I may mention the other two classes that are still available. Yeah, go ahead, man. Okay. September 13th and 14th, 2014, Horicon, Wisconsin. That's another uh, class that a, a few people have uh, you know, up north are sponsoring for us. Uh, there's a link on my uh, upcoming training website uh, where you can get more information than that. And also, um, another class that's filling up rather quickly and probably my, my last personal class uh, for, the, uh, you know, for the year, September 6th and 7th, Rock Springs, Wyoming. Um, those are the three classes uh, that I'm holding you know, for the rest of the year. Um, the, there are two classes that are already filled up, but there are still three left. You want to take this class? Um, you know, please jump on it. Uh, you know, sooner than later, because the, the the slots are filling up for all three of them, and um, we don't know where the election is going to go in November. You know, it's that simple. Uh, it could go either way. So, you know, there may not be a next year. I hate to say it, uh, depending well, on how things there, go. Even if there's nothing ever happens, uh, one thing I can guarantee you of, and I try to tell folks this all the time, that uh, that that prepping isn't about aliens or end of the world or anything else. It's about, it, it starts off with, uh, you know, one day of ice and snow and the landlines are down and everything else, and you still got to get uh, word to the uh, 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 emergency services, the first aid and stuff. Oh, yep, I mean, this, definitely. this starts off with one day and then runs out to eternity. So oh, yeah, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Now. Even even if nothing happens, you know the information is still invaluable for you to have, uh, and it'll stay with you forever. Uh, but again, you know, the uh, we still have some time. We may not have a lot of time, but we still have some time. So you know, take advantage of the classes, and uh, you know, you'll you'll learn a lot because um, we got a lot of good information that uh, you know that's thrown out there. All right. Well, listen, listen. Thanks again, and uh, we'll have uh, Sparks back on the show. Uh, sometime in the next uh, four or five weeks for the third part of the series. And I want to thank you for coming on tonight and devoting the time. Thank you for having and, uh, me. We'll see you again uh, soon. All right? Thanks, All right, everybody. Excellent. God bless and keep you. All right, everyone have a good one.